is just jewels here today if you are on the $12 tier and you can see the video footage you can already see it's just me but if you're not uh, Jen is on maternity leave no she has not had uh, baby Jonah yet but he's due in a week so hopefully by the next episode I can update you on how she's doing um, other than that it's been a while if you have us on Facebook you saw when we made the announcement of one of us was exposed to somebody with coronavirus and her and I took a break from seeing each other and both of us are fine we both got tested we were both clean but yeah we are both just fine our families are fine um but it's always better to be safe than sorry so we did have to stay away from each other for a couple weeks anyway i it, it's so weird doing this by myself i know that i've done it before but i'm now recording video as well as audio so i'm trying to focus on making sure both are good and yeah i don't know her, even when her and i would record we would just suddenly get really nervous and kind of stutter and say um a lot so hopefully i keep all of that to a minimum and i can go back to storytelling and you guys enjoy so before we get started make sure you guys check out our patreon this is where you can get um ad free episodes you can get bonus episodes, and if you go to our highest tier, you can watch me tell stories and video. I think that's it. Oh, and then five stars wherever you're listening. That would be super cool. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Pandora. Pandora took a really long time, so check us out on Pandora, even if you don't have it. Just, just do it. <laughs> okay, guys, so today I am continuing the cold case files that I've been covering for many episodes i'm on episode nine it's called the family cursed on netflix and the way that i normally tell stories is i will watch it take notes and then from the notes that i took i will type out a script that i will read to you guys um just to make sure it's like in my own words um but this time i decided to do it the same way that jen and i did aaron hernandez which is where we just watched it, took notes, and then told the story. What's good about doing it like this is it sounds a lot less monotone. I notice in previous episodes, I do sound like monotone when I'm reading off of something. So I'm going to keep that to a minimum. Let me know what you guys think. Um, keep, you know, put comments wherever you can, especially if it's audio quality. If you know I need to use like a speech volume leveler. I just read that off of my program let me know you know i i'm still learning this i notice a lot of the cold case files they are in the 80s they're usually families of poverty and a lot of the times sheriff's departments don't really care and this is another one of those cases so i'm gonna try not to dwell so much on the fact that sheriffs don't care because it makes me really angry but it, it's a lot of these cases are like that. So this case takes place in Marion, North Carolina. Zelfia went to her grave knowing a lot about a lot of people. Two people, the same family, the same year, too much there to be coincidence. 
we live in fear. We had two family members missing. Who was going to be next? We started to locate the first bone. You just got a cold feeling. Could this be the unknown crime scene we've been looking for all these years? In the documentary, they spell her name Zilpha, but the family calls her Zilphia. So that's what I'm going to call her, Zilphia. So Zilphia Lowry was this young woman. She was very close with her family, very loved in her family, especially the kids. She was very much... The kids just loved her. They were like her favorite aunt. I think one of the girls actually said, yeah, she was like a mother to me. So obviously this is somebody that you would wonder who would ever want to harm. And then especially her nephew, Jeremiah. He was very close with her and he was also super quiet. So just them being able to have that bond, that relationship was really important to both of them, I think. And the thing about Jeremiah is his father was extremely neglectful. And not only that, he was just overall a really bad man. His name is, or is he alive? I don't know. Eddie Pittman. And so Jeremiah didn't spend a lot of time home. He didn't like being home. His, Like I said, his father was neglectful. And there was a time that Zilphia's sister, Reba, had recalled. And Reba had said that one day Zilphia and Jeremiah were parked outside of Eddie's girlfriend's house. And he had burnt the house down. And Jeremiah, I mean... Eddie saw that Jeremiah and Zilphia saw him. So obviously they're a witness to this crime of arson. Um, But the details of why he started the fire and where the girlfriend was at this time was not revealed at this point of the documentary. But we will get into that later. They did not go to the cops. They did tell some family members, including Reba, about it. Which is why, obviously, she knows about it today. Other than that, though, it didn't seem to be a big deal in the family. Nobody brought it up. Nobody wanted to go to the cops. It was just, yeah, Eddie started a fire in his girlfriend's house. He lit it up, and that was the end of that. So on September or in September of 1992, right by Interstate I-40, this is just outside of the city, somebody had spotted Jeremiah's truck. Now, at this point, Jeremiah would have to be, like, little bit older like maybe in his 20s and that's weird why is his truck just parked there doesn't he need that to like get places so last they had heard jeremiah was living with his friends like i said he does not like being with his father when they went to question his friends his friends were like no he went to see his dad and that was the last time anybody ever heard from him so Right now is when I'm thinking that the dad had something to do with his son's disappearance. As dark as it sounds, that is where a lot of these cases go, is in the family. So investigators were not concerned at all. Like like I said, they did not care. They actually believed the rumors that Jeremiah went... hitchhiked with a truck driver and went to Texas and then went to Mexico and the cops think that he's just chilling on some Mexican beach. 
oh, I don't, with I don't even <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. That's the documentary said, but it's wild to me that officers. <sighs> I don't know if it's the town they live in or the sheriff budget or just the fact that the family doesn't have money. I I don't know. I don't want to get into the conspiracies. I'm visibly a little already irritated. So anyway, let's continue. So Zilfia knew better. I think we all do. And she went to Reba, her sister, and she said something happened to Jeremiah. Something happened to him. His dad had to have done something. Actually, I had a dream. And Reba's like, what dream about what? And she goes, I had a dream that Eddie killed Jeremiah and buried him in the woods and put lime over his grave. And I'm like, lime? The documentary doesn't go into what it means to pour lime over a grave. If you guys know, let me know. <laughs> um, but it, it also just sounds like something random that your dreams can kind of throw in. Zilfia said, I need to confront him. I need to ask Eddie what happened to his son and why are you where everyone is pointing? Reba said, no, please don't. Like, if, if what you're saying is true, if what everybody is saying is true, you cannot confront him. And I understand, obviously. The documentary, again, kind of skips and it doesn't tell us if she went to confront him. It skips to June 27th, 1993, which is eight months later. Zilfia was a waitress at a truck stop close to her house. So close that when she didn't find a ride home, she would just walk home most of the time. And one night, she did not come home. One investigator didn't think something happened. He said she just went out and she partied for a couple days. Typical of what girls her age are doing. Like, whatever. <sighs> it's not whatever. Like, it's not. <laughs> Ugh. So, like I said, sheriff's office sucked. And they even told Reba to go investigate herself which is just wild like wild but anyway she goes to the truck stop and she starts asking people questions did you see my daughter i mean i'm sorry did you see my sister um where was she last what time did she leave if she left with anybody what did they look like and they didn't answer her they weren't telling her anything and so, go more forward, uh, February 5th, 1994. This is 14 months after Jeremiah's disappearance and six months after Zilfia's disappearance. Hunters deep in the woods found a bone and it had some hair fragments and tissue on it. So, this was a little different from what the hunters were used to seeing with animals. And so, they turned it in to the sheriff's office and they came with their detectives, their medical examiners, and they were able to determine that this was human bones and the body wasn't even buried. Like it, it looked like it was just sitting on top of the dirt. Also the clothes, there was clothes around the bones and that also was not even attempted to be buried. So before Reba even arrived on the scene, 
she already knew in her head, like, this is my sister. And sure enough, when she gets there, she sees the clothes and she's like, that's my sister's clothes. Like, this is my sister. The only thing is, I d it doesn't say if they found a whole skeleton or if it was just that one bone. So I'm unsure, but obviously the clothes does tell you that there was some foul play in regards to Zilphia. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I totally missed this note. There was a skull and they saw that the skull had been crushed completely with a hammer, probably. Um, but whoever did it was pissed. Like, nobody just crushes somebody's skull in, like, just to kill them. It, this is overkill. So, now I'm wondering if Jeremiah is even dead. Because if Jeremiah is dead, if it was the same person, you'd think maybe they put them in the same spot. But, um, I don't know. So now the sheriff's office is like, let's look into it. Now. <laughs> now let's look into it. In December of 1994, a year and a half after Zilphia's murder, one specific sheriff took interest in the case, and he asked permission if he could look into the file, and of course they were like, yeah, go ahead, like, figure it out if you can. And he had a feeling that there was a second crime scene somewhere. The same family, same year, like, maybe this is the same person. This has to be the same person. This sheriff really had it in his gut that this was by the same person. A worker, he went to the truck stop and a worker there said that Zilphia did get in the car with somebody, but he didn't know who that person was. So now all of a sudden years later, he's like, oh wait, yeah, now I remember. I didn't. But they didn't want to talk to Reba. <laughs> okay, really quick, you guys, I interrupt this program to introduce you to today's sponsor. It is Consuming Crime's very first sponsor, and that is Audible. Dot com, which is an Amazon-owned company. They are the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, you get one free credit, and with our code, Consuming Crime, you can get one month free and one free audiobook. I actually use Audible myself. I don't really have time to sit down and read a book. I'm constantly moving around and you know doing school work the podcast things like that right now i am currently reading a book written by don miguel ruiz jr i love a lot of his works and the one i'm reading right now is called the mastery of self i am obsessed with self-development self-growth and this book really teaches you about knowing who you are knowing you know what you have to offer the world and just knowing that you know no one's better than anyone ever and i think it's really good to just be self-aware with that being said, again, go on and head over to audibletrial.com slash consumingcrime and get your free audiobook on us completely. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash consumingcrime. Now, back to the story. So this sheriff goes to county jail and, you know, he's going to go talk to some inmates. There are rumors everywhere. These inmates are bored. They want something to do. They want someone to mess with. And just like what they always do, they start saying, Oh yeah, I knew somebody that went to a party with Zilphia that night. And oh yeah, I knew Zilphia. And like, it, no you don't. Like, I'm just gonna say it. I'm not gonna lead you guys on the way the documentary did. They don't know anything. They're messing with the sheriffs. I don't even like that they're entertaining this crap. 
so after he was done wasting his time there he decides to talk to the family reba is relieved that somebody is finally taking interest in her sister's case and she immediately tells them eddie pittman eddie pittman killed jeremiah he killed my sister and the reason he did it is because they saw him uh, lighting a house on fire back in the day and i guess the reason why he burnt down the house wasn't to kill his girlfriend it was to help his girlfriend collect insurance money so not as dark and twisty as as i had initially thought so the sheriff goes to talk to eddie he does the usual i didn't do it i don't know anything whatever they don't get anywhere months later this is now 1996 two and a half years after the murder rosemary wants to talk now who is rosemary rosemary is eddie's girlfriend the one that he burnt the house down for (laughs) and she goes to sheriffs and she says look i'm terrified of him i feel like he he's gonna hurt me and they're like why and she goes because i have information and they're like well what is it (laughs) so fast forward now they're in a car with rosemary and she's pointing out in the woods and you can only assume she's pointing to where something is buried so she goes and she points into this area in the woods and they they park they walk to that area and she points into this ditch and she goes right there she points and they're like all right start digging guys she the documentary is not telling you what they're looking for yet they're digging for a while and they look up at her like what are you doing are you messing with us i'm pretty sure at this point like you're messing with these poor guys not poor guys actually they deserve it they're digging and she's like no you're you're not digging deep enough so finally finally they find a bone this bone belongs to jeremiah eddie Pittman's son according to rosemary jeremiah and ed got into a fight and the fight got so bad that eddie grabbed the nearest hammer and smashed his head in very similarly to the way that sylvia's skull was crushed and it's interesting there that one i will say so the reason why rosemary knows where the body is is because rosemary had gone with eddie to bury the body and they poured lime over the hole <laughs> again if you guys know what lime signifies let me know but i mean if if reba's account is true and zilfia really had that dream i i mean that that's crazy it, it is crazy to say the least so The sheriffs go and they arrest Eddie, and they say, you're now arrested for the murder of Jeremiah Pittman. So he did end up getting charged with Jeremiah's murder. And on July 27, 2004, 10 years after Zilfia's murder, Sheriff Green, that was the sheriff's name, sorry if I didn't mention it earlier, published an article for the anniversary of her death. And an inmate, Ricky, called him and said, hey, I have something for you. And the inmate goes, there's a man named Ronald that you need to look at he thinks ronald was involved with the death he says that this guy ronald 
showed up to the truck stop with the van that was covered in bloodstains, and it was very shortly after Zilfia's disappearance. So the sheriffs go to this junkyard, and they manage to find Ronald's van. They see the van, and they see that there are a whole bunch of stains in there. And they have this, it's called phenophalene, and this, this is like a chemical, it turns bright pink when it comes in contact with blood. So they sprayed the whole area with it, and unfortunately, they did not find any blood stains in the van, which now we're kind of like, okay, is, is this dude Ricky messing with us? So we go back to Reba, remember Zilfia's sister, and she says, oh, Ronald, that was my son's friend. So Reba's son had a friend named Ronald. That's who we're talking about. They Now we're going to Ronald. We're kind of like, this is kind of what sheriff's got to go through, going through different witnesses, different people. So now we're to Ronald. We are talking to the guy that supposedly owns this van. He says, I know what happened to Zilfia. There were two guys living in a mobile home near a friend of Ronald's. And I'm like, okay, a friend? Like a friend of a friend of a friend? Like, are you trying to cover up for something that you did? I don't know. That sounds suspicious to me. So those two boys, according to him, were acting very suspicious They were playing really loud music one night and they even went over to ask them to keep it down and they were like, no. And after that, the Ronald had saw, had seen those two guys carrying like something wrapped in a carpet into a van, which is weird because I thought this was Ronald's van. I don't know. I'm just, I'm in this funk right now of the documentary where i'm like this dude's lying like he's full of crap they go to find the trailer the sheriffs do and it was an abandoned old single wide they talked to the landlady and pointed at the specific trailer and she's like oh yeah that one's abandoned but in 93 a guy used to live there and his name was robin whited this gave sheriffs a really cold feeling which is usually a sign we're getting somewhere we're finally getting somewhere and when they went into the trailer it was really cold the feeling they were like something definitely happened here this has to be our second crime scene robin whited had moved back to richmond virginia he was working at a car dealership at this time and sheriffs went to go talk to him he does admit hey we did party with that girl or with a girl. She had a weird name. Sheriffs go, Zilfia. And he's like, yeah, that's her name. He shows her a picture, shows him a picture of her. And she's like, he's like, yeah, that's the girl we partied with. I remember her. Hmm. I mean, sometimes murderers tell the truth. <laughs> you know, you never know. So he said that he had sex with her. And the next morning she was gone. This kind of broke my heart because we know that either him or somebody in that trailer killed her. So the fact that he said he had sex with her, I don't know, something about the vulnerability of sex and then being killed as brutally as she was right after, just like, it really brings chills through my body. Like, So now we're back at the trailer and the sheriff started taking swabs. 
every single room they take swabs they're trying to see if there's any blood because they are certain she was killed in this trailer they take about 150 swabs and finally they go into the bathroom and they see these brown specks it looks like fly vomit (laughs) that's what the documentary said but apparently when flies eat blood or drink blood and they throw it back up it still registers as blood which is really gross so we're looking at blood vomit basically i don't know why they mentioned that but that's what finally lit up pink was that piece of evidence and so now the question is is that zilfia's blood because we know it's blood but is it hers and this part i don't really know how to feel about it they didn't have samples of her dna and around the time that she had been murdered this was before they documented dna this was before they tried to preserve evidence at least in their county and they had to dig up her body that was already buried years ago in order to get her bones in order to create a dna profile so they did that they they tested the dna and it matched so that's good dna matched but i still don't like the idea of going and digging up someone's grave tell maybe let me know what you guys think so on april 25th 2006 13 years later i have a clip that i was gonna play for you guys it looks like this is robin whited telling his side of the story robin was able to give us a name and that was bobby taylor bobby has an extensive criminal record with some violent offenses on his rap sheet robin was having sex with zilpha bobby wanted his turn But Zilpha doesn't want any part of Bobby Taylor. Bobby Taylor becomes angry with Zilpha, then slams Zilpha's head into the floor several times. Robin said that he had personally witnessed Bobby beat her to death. Now we have this new name, Bobby Taylor. If you could hear, he was saying that he had sex with Zilphia, and after he was done, Bobby Taylor wanted his turn, which I don't even like the way that that sounds. That sounds disgusting. It sounds like entitlement and (sighs) anyway, so after he gets rejected, he slams her head into the floor multiple times. I guess this is the end of it. There is no, there's nothing else. I mean, actually, there is this really creepy video that Bobby Taylor brings to his court case, his court hearing, where it's him recording the crime scene, just the way that it looked 13 years ago. And it's like eerie and creepy looking, but you, I mean, you'd have to watch the documentary. It's like the last, it's probably the last three and a half, four minutes of the documentary, but it's actual footage of him where everything happened. It's just there's no blood or anything. So maybe it was what it looked like after he was finished cleaning. It was eerie, though. It was really eerie. So Robin Whited gets charged with accessory to murder after the fact, which I think, oh, with a three-year suspended sentence. I think accessory to murder after the fact just means that I didn't help kill her, but I helped cover up the body. 
Bobby was charged in federal prison for first-degree murder, and Bobby was given first-degree murder, life without the possibility of parole. Pretty much how it ends, guys. The Jeremiah's death and Zilphia's death did not tie to one another, unless there's some conspiracy that they knew Eddie. I don't- I have no idea, but the killers are behind bars, which is good, but What's not good is, honestly, kind of really ticks me off, is the fact that a woman is dead because she refused to have sex with someone. But that is a whole nother topic. That would probably add half an hour to this episode, me just going on about that part. Um, But anyway, if you guys want to check out that episode, it is Cold Case Files, Season 1, Episode 9, A Family Cursed. That's all that I have for you guys today. Uh, Like I said, make sure you guys check us out on patreon that's where you can get our regular feed with no ads you could get uh, bonus episodes and you could also get video footage of me telling stories at the highest tier with all that being said thank you guys so much for consuming crime with me today and i will see you guys or you guys can hear me next week (laughs) bye